you don't know already, Frank and Jim and Mike Fantry are in Israel, so this morning you're stuck with me. Oh, wow, okay. (laughs) Well, all right, that's the case, all right. Um, So we have, what what time is the packet game, 7.30? Okay, okay, good. Plenty, plenty, oh, what time do you need to set up for prayer? Oh, yeah, you can also sign up in the back for prayer, praying for the people in Israel. That's the only plug. I'm not doing transitions today. So, okay. <clears throat> this is fun. I'm going to trip over something this morning. Okay, so I really want to, there's something that's been on my heart lately, and that's what I want to talk about this morning. And it, it's going to be a challenge, I think, to communicate it clearly without confusing people. So that's my big goal of the day. Um, so I think I'm just going to start off with a word of prayer, and then we'll get right into it. Uh, Father, I thank you for this morning and this time here with my friends. And God, I just ask that you help me to communicate this message clearly, Lord. Let us hear your heart this morning, and um, just uh, allow me to, to get out of the way. In Jesus' name, amen. So what I want to talk about today is... Uh, to the difference between knowing and knowing about. And I think it can be a very fine line between those two things. It can be a very uh, interesting subject. Sometimes those intermingle, and sometimes they're separate. And I want to talk about that a little bit to draw the distinction between the two. So the question that comes up is, What does it mean to know someone versus knowing about someone? And uh, this morning, I think the the structure is going to be a little different. I'm going to try to help walk through my thought process with my slides and with my notes. So it might feel a little different than a normal message. Uh, But I want all of you to, I guess, come along with me on this journey this morning. So the first thing about Knowing about someone or something is that being able to, to state facts about someone doesn't necessarily mean we know them. So, Abraham Lincoln, you've all heard of him. He was the 16th president of the United States. He was born in February of 1809 and he was assassinated in April of 1865. Now, I don't know him personally. Um, it, there's a little bit of distance between when he died and when I was born, so I never got the chance to actually meet him myself. Uh, <laughs> what's interesting about him, so I was, I was looking up facts on him. He practiced law without having a law degree. He actually only had about 18 months of formal schooling, a year and a half. Doesn't that sound fun, guys? Simon, how long have you been in school? 11 years. Man, dude, get with it. Jeez. <laughs> My gosh. Uh, <laughs> uh, he, so <laughs> Abraham used to say, nearly all men can stand adversity, but if you want to test a man's character, give him power. It's an interesting quote. Now, obviously, I don't know Abraham Lincoln, right? I, I already mentioned he was dead long before I was born. And I can look up facts about Abraham Lincoln all day long and learn things about him. But let's, let's pick somebody who's more common era. There's this guy, 
or there was this guy. Um, his name was Steve Jobs. Some of you may have heard of him. Uh, Steve started this company. He was a co-founder of this company. Uh, they called it Apple. Uh, weird name. I don't understand why you pick fruit to name your company. But anyway, um, Steve passed away in October of 2011. So, alive during my time. I also never got a chance to meet Steve. What's interesting, uh, Steve was adopted. So he kind of overcame some stuff. It's interesting. Uh, Steve used to say, innovation distinguishes between a leader and a follower. And if you know anything about Apple, you understand Steve was about innovation. Again, I never knew Steve. I never met Steve. But I know about Steve. I have an iPad right here. It's an Apple product. I have an iPhone. I see the byproduct of, of Steve, Steve's life and his legacy. But I never knew him personally. So then that leads me to the, the next progression of to know someone, it requires time and contact with that person. It's not just knowing facts about that person. That's good, and that's usually where things begin. But it takes time and it takes contact. So there's a friend of mine that I want to talk about, and he's not here today, so that's great. <laughs> Some of you may know him as well. His name is Joel Gavin. Now, Joel is running a marathon this morning. So he's not like at home sleeping or, you know, out partying late last night. He is running a marathon this morning, which is an impressive feat. That's something I will never do. <laughs> uh, it's something that I, at times, will take pokes at him and make fun of him for how much running he does. But in reality, I'm actually quite impressed that he would run, he'd be willing to run that long. It takes like two hours or something like that to run a marathon. Five hours? Oh, my gosh. It's over half a work day. <laughs> All right. So I've known Joel now for about... 16 or 17 years. I don't remember exactly when I met him, but I've known him for a long time. And I've gotten to know him over the years by spending time with him, having contact with him. And there's things that all of us probably know about Joel. Joel is an electrician by trade. It's his job. He does very good for himself. Um, Joel is part of the sound ministry. At times, he's been part of the worship ministry. These are facts about Joel, things that all of us may know. Some things I've learned about Joel over the years from having interaction with him is if you ask Joel to do something, so you ask him for, uh, to do something for you, like, hey, Joel, can you, uh, you know, give me a ride or whatever. Uh, if he responds with absolutely not, really quick, it usually means, yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> Joel, Joel's a, he's a sarcastic guy. He enjoys sarcasm, and he enjoys doing and saying things that catch people off guard. And so that's why he does it. But if the first time you interact with Joel and you say, hey, Joel, can you help me with this? And he's like, absolutely not. You don't know that, what that means. You might actually think he's being a jerk. <laughs> uh, but no, he's, he's a pretty soft-hearted guy. He really is. Um, if you'd ask Joel about why he runs so much or why he's incorporated that into his lifestyle, he'll tell you he does it because he eats like a fat kid. <laughs> he will. He likes desserts a lot. He really does. Uh, he'll go to a cheesecake factory and buy two slices at a time. Like he, he loves desserts. Uh, so he runs to counteract that. 
it's going to be funny if Joel listens to this and I share it all. I didn't tell him I was going to talk about him this morning. <laughs> but those are, those are things I've learned about Joel over the years by spending time with him, by doing life with him. Those weren't, those weren't things that somebody told me, about, told me about Joel that I can now tell you. Does that make a little sense, a little bit of the distinction between the two? Okay. All right. So I guess we should probably at some point look at Scripture. So let's do that. <laughs> so in Romans 10, 9 through 11, it says, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As Scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. So I'm, I'm working through this concept of knowing God versus knowing about God and um, looking at Scripture. And I, I, There's a point that I want to make very cautiously, and I'll explain why I'm cautious about it after I make the point. At the point at which you and I became saved, so anyone in the room who says they're a Christian, we were told about God. We were given facts about God. We were told truth about God, and we believed it. And we professed it. That's how we became saved. At that moment, though, I don't think we know God. I think we know about God. But I don't think we know him yet. In, in church terminology, we, we talk about our, our faith as Christians as a relationship or as a walk with God. And so knowing about God is the starting point. And the reason why I make this point cautiously is I don't want this, to, this point to translate in saying that I'm questioning anyone's salvation. If you were told about God and you were given the facts about God and you believed him in your heart and you professed him with your mouth, Scripture says you're saved, and I'm not going to argue that. This morning... I want us to progress away from just knowing about God and begin to know him. And I don't know where everyone is in the room with that. I think there's varying levels and degrees. But I'll say this. Regardless of how well you know God or don't know God, you can always know more about God, and you can always know him deeper. So while I was working through this, I, um, I searched the Google, and... I found a chat room discussing this topic. And I didn't, I didn't read all of the responses. There was one in particular that I liked, so I wanted to share it this morning. Um, so basically, this guy starts this chat room, and he says, hey, this is an open chat room. Please be respectful, but I want to understand the difference between knowing Jesus versus knowing about Jesus. And go, you know, and then there's all these responses. Um, so this guy wrote, and... He said, knowing Jesus, or excuse me, he says, a lot of people know about Jesus. They may have studied religion, and there are quotation marks. I'm not just doing that. Uh, Religion in, in college or in books, they can tell you almost everything that is wrong with religion, about the horrible things done in God's name, and have a dozen reasons why they are above going to church. The knowledge of Jesus does not impact their lives at all, except to make them smug and proud of their knowledge. And then he contrasts that with a few people know Jesus, and it shows in their lives. They act in love, they pursue holiness, they touch the untouchable, love the unlovable, 
and give grace to everyone they meet. These people follow so close to Jesus that you can almost smell the dust of Galilee as they walk by. It's very interesting imagery, but I like the way he said that. I like the distinction he draws between those. We can know a lot about God. But if that knowledge of God is not allowed to impact us and change us, I don't know if we transition to knowing God. Um, so along that, that thought process, you know, a person could be fresh in their faith. They could have just been saved. Or a person could have been attending a church for many, many years and know a lot about God and never taken that next step in building a relationship with him. So then there's, I think, two questions that come into play here that we need to start thinking about and addressing. Uh, The first question is, how much do we know about God? And that's a personal question. You may know more than me. I may know more than you. The second question is, do we let that knowledge impact us? Do we let that knowledge change us? So I want to take some time to look at some attributes of God. And for some of you, this is going to be a review. You already know this. Some of you may not be. Some of you may know this, or may not know this already. So I want to take a moment to all of us look at it together help build our knowledge of God so that it can impact us. So there's there's three primary attributes I want to look at this morning with God, and these are not going to be exhaustive studies in these attributes because all of these could be entire series of messages all by themselves. That's not the point of this morning. So God is sovereign. That's the first one. God is righteous. And God is love. So in Colossians 1, 15 through 18, we see a glimpse of God's sovereignty. And I, I used the Amplified for this because I liked the things that were, um, I like the stuff in parentheses. <laughs> so it says, he's the exact living image the essential manifestation of the unseen God, the visible representation of the invisible, the firstborn, the preeminent one, the sovereign, and the originator of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created and existed through him, that is, by his activity, and for him, and he himself existed and is before all things." And in him, all things hold together. He is the controlling, cohesive force of the universe. He is also the head, the life source and leader of the body, the church. And he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will occupy the first place. He will stand supreme and preeminent in everything. So sovereignty is... A meaty subject, in my opinion. And 
like I said, I'm not trying to dive too deeply into it this morning. That's not the purpose of this message. So I'm going to try to explain a little about how I understand God's sovereignty. When I think of sovereign, I think of to rule over. So, and in this verse, it even talks about uh, being the supreme ruler over all creation. God is that. So if, if this is just knowledge about God that I have, then I use it as a descriptor for him. The problem with that is sometimes in life, bad things happen. And if I just know about God being sovereign, it may, I may have ways to kind of explain away his sovereignty. Or I may reduce it. But if I know God, and by knowing God, I know that he is sovereign, it changes my perspective on tough times. Um, if, if you believe the account of Job, bad things happen, and God allows them to in the life of his children. That could be a difficult thought when you're going through a tough time. But it can also be comforting. And I think that the way that you react to it has to do with your relationship with God. To understand that he's in control of all things, to understand that he's never caught off guard by what happens in life, to know that and to know him in that, I think is actually comforting. And it'll make... I'll connect the three, so it'll make a little more sense as we progress to the end here of why that's comforting. The next attribute is God is righteous. And so I have a couple verses from Psalms to talk about this. In Psalms 119, 137 to 138, it says, You are righteous, Lord, and your laws are right. The statutes you have laid down are righteous. They are fully trustworthy. And in Psalm 145, 17, it says, The Lord is righteous in all his ways and faithful in all he does. And righteousness is another one of those like church words, I think. When I think of righteousness, I think of it being a synonymous with things like justice. One way I've always understood righteousness was to be in right standing, which again I think is kind of a church definition. Uh, but that's, God is righteous. And he is in right standing with himself. We, we sing songs about the cross. We sang some this morning. And we always, we always focus on, you know, God's grace and his mercy and things like that when we talk about the cross. But at that same moment that we focus on those things, we need to understand God was righteous at the cross of Calvary. He was just with the cross of Calvary. Scripture says the wages of sin is death. And so when Adam and Eve sinned, there was a just pronouncement of 
judgment or, or you know, death upon mankind. And there needed to be atonement for that. There needed to be forgiveness for that. But the challenge is, as humans, we can't atone for that. It wouldn't, it wouldn't do much good if someone who is on death row agrees to die for someone else on death row. So as a human, I wasn't able to atone for my own sin because I was already on my way to death. What good is that sacrifice? If I die, I'm just executing justice for my sin. So God placed his son in our place to satisfy that. That progresses to the last attribute I want to talk about this morning, which is God is love. In 1 John 4, 15-16, says, If anyone acknowledge that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them, and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. God is love. Does that, when you hear that, does that kind of warm your heart a little bit? I would say if, if someone pronounces that, says God is love, and, and your reaction to that is like, oh, yeah. I'd say you know him a little bit. That's not just knowing about him being love or that he's loving, but you actually understand God is love. In Romans 5, 6 through 8, it says, You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so we take the event of the cross and we we say, God is righteous. And at the same time, we see a perfect balance of God is love in that single event. He didn't have to die for us. He didn't have to give his son for us. He wanted to. Because he loved us. And he gave his son... Because that was the only way for him to also be righteous while loving us. So why these three attributes this morning? How do they connect? How does it make sense that if we know God, that these attributes can be comforting to us? It's going to It's going to backtrack a little bit, but with God's sovereignty being the supreme ruler of all, he's the one that has an offense when sin is committed. Not only that, but 
looking at it as he's in control of all things and he knows what's going on and he allows both the good and the bad to come our way. And in that same moment that he's allowing those bad things to come our way, he's still righteous and he's still just when bad things happen. That can be comforting to us because he loves us. And whatever he allows to come our way ultimately is for our good. We also know that from Scripture. But if I'm just telling you this, and these are just things that you know about him and you don't know for yourself, you don't know personally, it's not very comforting. It does take time. It does take contact to know God. And how do we allow the the knowledge that we have about him to impact us and to change us, to become more like Christ? So my challenge this morning for us all, and myself included in this, my challenge this morning is to allow the things that we know about God to stop being these sort of descriptor words for him and instead progress in our relationship with him so that we know we know these various things because we know him because they are part of his nature they're who he is and a lot of times he is the perfect definition of those words I can't, I can't find a better definition of the word love except, when, except by knowing God and except by looking at who he is. So as I mentioned, we all are in different places in our journey with God. Some of us may only know about him. Some of us may know him very deeply But until we go home to be with him in heaven, there's always more to know. We can always go deeper with him. We can always know him more. So we can all stand up together. God told the priests to pronounce a blessing over the people. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you and give you peace. Father, this morning, I ask that we, I ask that you would help us to progress from knowing about you to knowing you ourselves. that you'd reveal yourself to us in new ways, that as we spend more time with you and have more contact with you, who you are becomes a greater reality to us. And we thank you, Lord, that you are a personal God. We thank you, God, that you love us. We thank you that you're sovereign, you're righteous, 
and we can we can trust you. Thank you, Lord. God, I ask that you bless the rest of our weeks as we go out from here, Lord, and um, we ask that you keep those family members that are in Israel right now, God, and that you protect them. Keep them safe, Lord, and bring them back to us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.